Molly, welcome to the program, buddy. Uh, JDK on air featuring uh, a guy that is known here in Indianapolis as a uh, former Butler basketball player with the men's program. Great to have you here, buddy. Let's start with kind of what got you interested uh, in basketball. What's your earliest memory with the game? Good question. Um, It's hard to really say. I just remember... Obviously, growing up in New York, basketball was very big, much like yeah. here in Indiana. Basketball is, you know, huge in New York. So just when I was young, I used to go to my local high school games, uh, watch all those guys, and I look up to all them. And I just thought, how cool would it be if I can, you know, play varsity basketball? And that right. was, like, kind of my initial thought. And then over time, just kept falling in love with the game. Um just to get an idea of what high school basketball is like in New York. I mean, I, I kind of have a sense of what it is in Indiana. Yeah. Certainly a big deal uh, once we get around sectional time, but what's, what's kind of the energy surrounding that in New York? It's different. I mean, out here, you know, the love is the same, but obviously Indiana, there's more space here. So you got bigger gyms right? and right. you got field houses for high school games, you know, New York. And I played prep school in New Jersey, but we played in New York city. We played all over it and gyms are just smaller. Because right. we don't we don't necessarily have the same space, but the love is there. The passion is amazing. the The level of play is fantastic as well. So, it's um you know it's similar and it's it's similar. It's good. Well, um you know Spike Lee is a guy that I can recall calling New York the mecca, and there yeah, are people, sure. there are people from Indiana that say we have the purest form of basketball. I mean. If you had to say what's what's the best breeding ground for basketball, what, what would you say? You know, I think it's different. I mean, it's hard for me to say. Obviously, yeah. two different style of play. You know, Indiana is a lot different than New York City in new players there and here. But, you know, the longer I've been in Indiana, Indianapolis, especially, there's a lot of really, really good players. There are a lot of good pros, yeah. a lot of players. So, you know, there's so much good basketball. And now that I'm playing overseas, even in the world, there, there's good basketball in Spain and you know, in Portugal and Poland. So, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to really say, but I think both, I think both are really good. Yeah. Um, and I feel like playing in New York, you would have to learn some trash talk. How much of that was a, was a factor in the game? For sure. I mean, yeah, trash talk was always a thing. I, I've never been the biggest talker. However, I've always been a guy like, you know, if someone wants to start talking to me, I can definitely talk back because I grew <laughs> up with it. You know, I don't, I don't look out. I don't, I don't really go out of my way to do it, but you know, I've been around in my whole life. So it's nothing new. If some guy wants to do it, you know, right. we can play it like that. No problem. Well, and uh, you know, if you do a quick YouTube search of your name, one of the videos that pops up is um, something I believe it looked like it was in Rucker Park and you, oh, it was yeah. the whole uh, Prince yeah. Harry of Harlem thing. Tell me about that video, man. And what that was for you. It was a crazy time. You know, I was a young kid. I would think I was going into my junior year of high school. And me and my dad, my best friend and his dad, we went down to 145th Lenox in the heart of New York City. It's a tough, tough area. And I got asked to play in some all-star game, you know, not not really knowing who was going to be there. And didn't even know cameras were there or nothing. I was just kind of a kid going to find a good place to play. And just turned into a moment, like, I'm grateful it was captured because obviously it stuck with me. And you know, it's a moment I'll never forget, but it was all kind of a blur, man. I just remember making my first shot and then everything just from there, just like boom, boom, boom. And then, right. and then when, and now it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, And I guess recruiting is different depending on where you are, but were you highly recruited coming out of high school? 
I was highly recruited as far as the lower mid-major schools. I had a lot of offers from a Patriot League schools. Um, you know, I had Atlantic 10 school, which is a very good upper high mid-major. Um, yeah. I had some Ivy League interests. I mean, I had a bunch of interests. I didn't get any Big East. I didn't get any, you know, ACC stuff I really wanted. But I was recruited heavily by levels, you know, in that in that area, if that makes sense. Um, and then what, what ultimately kind of led you to – George Washington, because that is that in Washington D.C. Correct? I mean, yes, yeah. Washington. That's a little bit of a distance from where you're coming from. So yeah, it was a it was an interesting choice. I mean, on paper it was great. It was in D.C. Obviously, beautiful city, good level of basketball, really good academic school. So everything kind of felt like the right um, move. Right. And obviously, things you know turned out the way they did. But I'm still happy. You know, everything happens for a reason. I'm happy I went there and. You know, things worked out as they should. But on yeah. paper, like coming out of high school, it was probably the best option I had. So I just took it, you know. Did you see um, any of the sightseeing stuff? I mean, take time to yeah. see Washington? Yeah. Yeah, we, we went all over. I was at the the monuments. And we used to do early morning runs uh, right next to, like, the Lincoln Memorial and then the, the yeah. National Mall. we run around the whole thing and at, like, 6 in the morning. So I, it was really cool being in D.C. for two years, especially, like, it was such a political hub and, Right. Sometimes at that time, uh, Obama was in office. They would have him ride through our campus, like with motorcade, and our campus would be like our pause. It was cool. It was like a cool two-year stop. You know, I'll never forget it. Well, and uh, I, I only say this because it seems like former athletes have a lot of success in the realm. I mean, do you have any ambition of going into politics or, or no? <laughs> mm, you know, I never really thought about it too much, man. Honestly, like I'm, I'm over in Europe a lot, so. I'm 10 months out of the year. I'm missing most. I'm missing what's really going on here. Um, a lot. So I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't really thought about it. You know, I haven't really thought about it. Well, we'll get into uh, what it's like to play overseas. I talked a little bit uh, to Tyler Weidman about it and it's certainly yeah. kind of a, a different feel and uh, energy uh, away from America, at least. For but, sure. um, you know, you eventually did transfer to Butler and, uh, Transferring has kind of become this taboo thing to certain folks in uh, college basketball. Like, what's what are your feelings around transferring and kind of program loyalty? I feel like that's something mm -hmm. old school guys really try to harp on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, I'm a product of a transfer. So, you know, it's, I guess for me, like, I believe if a kid really has a situation where it's bad, and, you know, there's no light at the tunnel and he really doesn't see anything coming out of this place, then transferring is the option. Like for me, speaking on my experience, I had a really tough time at George Washington where those two years were grim. You know, basketball was not what it once was. And I didn't enjoy going to practice. I lost the love of the game, you know, and I literally lost the love of the game. And that's for me, it was enough to go somewhere else, you know, yeah. now. In situations where today maybe kids don't get the playing time they want or this or that, but situation is fair. The coaches are respectful and the environment is good. And it just so happens someone better than you, that's different. I think then, you know, some kids have to learn and overcome adversity. Cause I, listen, I went to the same high school. I went to the same middle school. I, I, that's something in my blood. I never do switch, but right. if it's the right reason, obviously it's justified, but you know, today it does seem like a lot of kids just jumping all around ducking from adversity here at left and right so it's, it's a tough it's a little weird of a situation well and um 
who who is the guy that wanted to bring you in to Butler? Because there were a lot of coaching changes that may, would, yeah. would have made me think about leaving that place too. Yeah, it was um, it was Chris Holtman, and the Chris Holtman called me first, and I remember Ryan Peden was the first assistant I talked to, because Keith and Savage was a transfer from George Washington before me, and Keith and basically was telling the assistants, like, listen, Paul's a very good player. He's a lot better than what he was playing because I wasn't getting the opportunity. Right. And, you know, they took a huge chance on me, Holtman and that staff, and really just kind of just said, all right, let's see how you do here. And, it, you know, it worked out. Yeah. And yeah, um, it worked out. You know, I, I went to several games at, at Butler and was fortunate yeah. enough to see the environment at, at Hinkle. And uh, I wanted to know from you – we know that the basketball program has a lot of financial bearing on the success of everything else. Did you feel like an employee at any point other than a student athlete? You know, honestly, at the time I was just so happy to be there. Right. And I was so grateful that I had a second chance because I came from such a bad place where I almost thought about stopping to play basketball. So for me, if those guys told me to run through a wall, I would have ran through a wall. I, I wasn't thinking about the business. I wasn't thinking about this. I was just so grateful and happy that, you know, I didn't think right. too much now, of course, after now I'm in the real world with money and responsibility, you definitely look back. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, maybe in a way you could have been an employee, but for me, I was just always grateful and just kind of just enjoying myself. Yeah, and, you know, uh, having been a producer and been on the sidelines for a lot of different yeah. things, I, I feel like athletes today are sort of the rock stars of, you know, where we are. Um, how tempting was kind of the uh, the party scene at, at Butler and just being a, a college athlete that people know, you know? Yeah, no, it was definitely tempting. I mean, I definitely had my – I'm not going to lie, I had fun for sure. You know, my biggest thing was – I always believe in a healthy balance. You know, I am, we still were college kids, you know, we still were working the hardest on the court in the classroom. And, and it's normal for us to go to a party here and there, or when you're about, when you're up of age, you know, go out to a bar or something like that. So right. you know, I had good guys on my team. Obviously Joey was great. Like me yeah. and Joey would, you know, do a lot of stuff together and we'd enjoy, like we had a big win. We'd enjoy the win. And we loved those moments. And you now I remember you were around some of those too. Like you're, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's just, you gotta you gotta enjoy the things in life, you know. That's my that's my biggest thing is enjoying. Well, and uh, you know, you and Joey were a uh, running tandem with with Butler for a long time. Yeah, uh, good. And uh, you know, I know that you were the sixth man of the year, your final year at mm -hmm. Butler. Um, did was part of the job that you had was it was not just to produce points or whatever your job was. It was also to inject some emotional energy into the game. Wasn't I guess, yeah, you can put it like that. I've always been a kid who lived very passionately, you know, whether that's yeah. playing basketball, whether that's in a relationship, whether that's some sort of job. I just try to do everything with my fullest heart. And basketball, I was, like I said, I was so grateful to be at Butler that I was just so happy all the time, you know, and I would just, I guess I would give energy to people without even really knowing I did it. Right. And it just kind of been my, it was my thing. And I came off the bench that year and, the six man halfway through the season it was a different role for me because I was starting all the games but you know I had some adversity had to handle it and yeah I guess energy was a good thing I, I brought one um one iconic moment that I can recall 
from your career uh, was the pull up that you hit against Villanova. Uh, oh, you, yeah. just, you just hit the floor. Uh, tell nice. me what, what is it like? Cause in this world and the next one, I probably won't be a basketball player. <laughs> what is it like to uh, hit a three point shot and then feel the vibration of a crowd, man? That's, yeah. that's a lot. It was incredible. I mean, it was, that was the loudest. And I'm just saying that cause I hit the shot, but that was the loudest I've, I've been in Hinkle and I've heard Hinkle. And I remember making that shot, and after I fell down, I I stood up. I really didn't know what was going on. Everyone was going, <laughs> everyone was going crazy, yelling. I just kind of was just like looking around, like Did I just make that. And then it was surreal, it was like an out of body experience, almost in a way. You know, it's just like a a natural high you can't even uh, explain. It was uh, it was similar to Jimmer for Debt, man. Like the the classic. Yeah, I love Jimmer. You know the pull up from from the logo. But, that was uh, my favorite player growing up. I used to I used to idolize him. So you know, I, I dig it. You know, B- yeah. BYU all the way. But yeah. um, <laughs> you know, I uh, I do want to ask too about like uh, the educational programs at at Butler. Um, yeah. Was there was there any limitation on what you could study based on the obligations that you had with basketball? For sure. I mean, crazy enough, actually, my first two years at GW, I was a political science major. I started out, I started out poli sci, and when I went to Butler, basketball was so big there that I, I needed, if I was going to play and be successful, I thought I need to really indulge myself in basketball more. So, and I, and I, I started with a strategic communication, which is like almost like a marketing type communication, which was great. Right. And you know, I don't think there was limitation. I think anything is really possible. It's harder, obviously. But for me, like my first love has always been basketball, you know, and I, I come from an academic family, so I value academics as well. But I'm not going to lie. My heart was always in the game first. So, you know, the classes I thought I did the best I could in, and I, I learned a lot. Hopefully, whenever I'm done playing, I can get into that field. But right. But no, the limitations, they weren't too they weren't too bad. Well, you know, I just I see like horror stories from North Carolina at Chapel Hill where they had players taken like Swahili in order to stay yeah. eligible. You know, nothing at that they, level. They don't know. They don't do that at Butler. Butler is a by the book yeah. school. Like, yeah, I heard those stories, too. And people ask me, like, does that happen? I'm like, guys, I, I wish it happened. It does not happen. Like, it's not. Butler is by the book. We do everything right. Just like other kids, you know, so. Um. And if you can recall, take me through what a typical day would be uh, in season. Yeah. It's not, it's a lot more than the typical student. In the season, I would, I would, uh, you know, obviously sometimes it depends on practice schedule. I remember we were, my junior, we would practice early. So it was like 6 a.m. We'd practice 6 to like 8.30. Then I would have to go eat, eat quick breakfast. Then I'll have class at 9.30 to, you know, 10.30. Then I'll have another class from, uh, 1230 to two then I'd probably have to go lift then you lift weights then you got to study so it was your days are packed you know your days are packed so it's definitely difficult but like I said definitely doable did you ever run into this I asked Tyler about this and he he had a pretty funny reaction like obviously you know Butler uh, being a player you're, you're gonna have priority over the court did anyone have animosity or resentment toward you of oh god here comes a basketball player needing yeah yeah you know yeah 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 yeah. for sure i never forget um it's a good question man 
my red shirt year, I just got the Butler and no one knew who I was yet. You know, I would just, just transfer in my first month there. I'm just a normal kid. Like, you don't look at me. You don't look like I'm a big basketball player. So I was in a class um, with like seven dancers. And a lot of, I remember they were talking to the teacher in the middle of class. They're like, you know, basketball team, they get everything they want. They get the foam rollers, the tape, this. And the dancers, they were like, we can't even get, you know, foam rollers and tape for our ankles. Like those guys don't deserve anything. I'm just sitting, I'm just sitting there just like waiting, just relaxing in the back because I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know anyone, you know, no one knew me. But at times people look at you a little funny, but, but it's all, it was mostly good. Like I always say, if you're nice to people, they'll be nice to you. You know what I mean? So simple as that. Well, and see, you know, I came from UND, which was a solid radio program and great basketball with the GLVC, but I'm just thinking like you're playing in the big East, you're on TV all the time. Um, that has to add to the ego and you were probably a little bit of a celebrity to, to the common student, weren't you? At times. Yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Like we definitely had people would look at us and I would get stopped in the street and yeah, I still do if I go out to a bar and see some old fans and whatnot. So yeah, we had a lot of attention, especially being the big East national TV, every game. So it was nice. Like, listen, we worked our, we worked our butts off. So to, to get a little bit of that, sometimes it did feel good. Um, but yeah, we, de- we definitely got a little bit of it. Um, and then, you know, like we talked about, uh, Butler and the amount of coaching changes that they've had. I, you really can't answer this question as a former player, but like, does that taint the school at any point? Like, is it just a transition for a coach to get to a better point? And would that impact yeah. recruiting, you know? It could be, I mean, you can look at it like that. I mean, it's tough because Butler is such a good school right. and it's such a good program, but obviously financially we don't have the same as what Ohio state or some of those gigantic football programs, you know, the, the, those schools carry the money and it's obvious, you know, Butler basketball tradition is, is amazing. However, you know, facts are facts. Like financially, those schools have bigger budgets, more resources. And, you know, yeah, in the past guys have used Butler to trampoline, off uh to bigger jobs and that's just that's kind of been what it's what it's been i guess yeah well it, it's see the weird thing with butler too is like you need the success to have the money like it, it's a it's a weird balance too of we we also have to have success in order for everything else to run because you know it, it's the truth butler basketball funds a lot of things at that school so we need to have success or other programs, you know, start to lose different, different sort of privileges. And that's just what it is. So um, going, let's, let's take back, like, if you're in the huddle with, with the coach or you're in practice, like, did you have the green light? I mean, part of, part of the fun and playing guard, I think, is you do have some autonomy in, in making a decision on the court. <laughs> For sure. I think at Butler, I had a lot of the green light. I think coach Bow gave me my freedom, which I'm really grateful for. I think, and that freedom also comes with hours of hours of practice and work and building a trust relationship with the coach. And, and, but I was, like you said, as a guard, you have more control. You have the ball more versus a big who is dependent on the guards to get him the ball. So yeah, it's, it's tricky, but I think I had a, I, my, my light was definitely pretty green. Um, well, you know, and I, and I say that, uh, cause you know, um, how much is like chemistry and, and energy, part of basketball because you can recruit five guys but if there if there isn't any kind of 
yeah. cohesion between them, you're not going to have a great time. I think, I think it's everything. I yeah. mean, I think it's everything. I think if you get five guys on the court who are bought into each other, bought into a common goal, uh, willing to, you know, root for each other and have genuine success for one another, I think that's going to be a better team, you know, seven days out of the week. You can obviously get the big-time players, but a lot of that comes with egos. And Now, if you could get the big-time players, they can buy in, and then you can manage the egos. That's when you have national championship teams, you know, and those gigantic teams. However, for me, you know, if I do coach one day, I, always, I wanted to have a team, like you said, that's chemistry is there, you're bought in, and it's it's the energy is good every day. You don't want to go to practice and be like, oh, here we go again. You know, you don't want that. Do you think that players have to be friends with each other, or there just, there just has to be on-court chemistry? I guess it goes hand in hand. I feel like it would. Yeah. Listen, I know a lot of people say we don't have to be friends. We just need to be on the court together. And it can go both, right? Like, it can go both ways. I've felt that if the guys are friends off the court, that on the court it makes everything a lot easier. Right. Like, that's why a lot of the times overseas and we have a lot of activities off the court, like team bonding exercises or, like, we go out to dinner, we go to the movies, and that just builds the relationship on the court, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and, uh, you know, something else that I think probably would have helped you, at least now as a pro, like, what was it like to travel uh, as a college basketball player? You're dealing with planes and itineraries, right? I mean, it's sort of an yeah. organized thing. Yeah, co- uh, traveling at Butler was, I mean, we, we, we flew private. So it was, yeah. every, I mean, everything was really laid out for us. Like, they would, you know, bring us the food, the, the luggage, the jerseys, and and it was just kind of, all right, you guys just follow the line. You know, obviously, as a pro, it's a lot more – the teams are similar, but I'm going country to country on my own, figuring things out on myself. So it's definitely a lot different. Uh, yeah. but, but, you know, you're spoiled. You're in, in high-level college athletics, you know, I think you're spoiled. Well, and, and as far as your pro career, uh, you know, the NBA and they've, they've continued to take from international pools of talent. Like, yeah. what, what has the competition been and – are you enjoying it as far as competing game to game, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think it's been great. I think the game is different. And I think guys over there really, really play hard. I think there's no possessions off. It's been great. Every level has been different. Like I said, I was in Spain, Portugal, and Poland, and every level has been different. But every level has been very good and competitive. So, you know, it's guys, grown men, trying to make livings for themselves, for their families. And, you know, every game is a dogfight. Well, and, you know, I think a lot of guys, and uh, we can attach this to college basketball, too. A lot of dudes that I ran into in high school that were being recruited, it's like, I got to go D1. I have to yeah. be at a big conference school. I think the same thing applies to, to the pros. You don't necessarily have to go to the NBA to make no. a decent living and no. have some money to, to live on, you know. A thousand percent. I mean, you know, it's even crazy enough now. I see guys overseas, big time teams went to Division Two, Division Three school. There's some guys who went to UIndy, right. Division Two are are top over there. So, and you make a good living. You know, for me, I really enjoy living in Europe. I really have fun. I really like the lifestyle. It's relaxing. It's it's good, and I I enjoy that. So obviously, everyone wants to play in the NBA. You know, who am I kidding? That's that's the dream. But right. as a guy who loves playing the game, and you can make a living over there, it's not a bad situation. Um. I mean, it's, and as far, you know, you don't have to get into the details. We don't have to know the, the finances of it all. But I've heard, like, with international teams, they just – they pay your bills, too. Like, you could just live over there, basically. But yeah, basically, every contract I've had so far is uh, you get your apartment covered. You get your car covered if you get a car. 
So a car, apartment already paid for. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you get, you get your salary. So it's whatever you're really making is just kind of net it's pocket, you know? So it's, yeah. uh, it's nice. How, um, how would you say, uh, folks overseas view Americans? I mean, I, I think we all view athletes with, with some God complex, but like the common American, how would you say they view them? It's, it depends where you go. Um, right. Unfortunately, I think us, I think some people are viewing Americans now as, you know, kind of arrogant, kind of, mm-hmm. <laughs> we need, everything is so big. Everything is this and that, like, but people love America too. You know, I think there's always a little bit of jealousy in there because America is America and it's, it's a land of, you know, it like big and, and extra. And I think there's a little bit of both. So when people's tone, when they do bash it, sometimes I always sense a little bit of jealousy, maybe, right. You know, at the same time, but it's really where, where you go. It's been changing for me. Like I met some girls from England and English, they were really bashing on it. And, uh, yeah, they were bashing on us hard. And I just kind of try to, you know, stick to, I don't really, I'm not the most conversational person. So, and then some people in Spain, they're like, Oh, I want to go to America. I want to go to New York city and this. And right. so it just, it just depends. Tyler said that they kind of view common Americans, what, what they see in movies, the, the iconography and stuff. Yeah. Like, Oh, you guys only eat McDonald's all the time. You only <laughs> I'm like, no, like we got like, you know, I go eat the, I go eat the food too. You know, it's just uh, probably right. Tom probably is right about that. Um, and just uh, personal stuff to you. Uh, if we're getting ready for a game, getting ready in the locker room, uh, what kind of music are you listening to, to to get in the zone? To get ready? Oh, uh, yeah. Just depends. I went, I go through really a lot of stages. I was <laughs> in college. I used to listen to a lot of rap, a lot of Drake, right? And then. Last year, I, I used to listen to some country music to relax me. And since I've been playing in Spain, I've really been enjoying the reggaeton, like the Spanish music. Okay. So I listened to a lot of that before. Um, whatever can get me more relaxed. I don't need to get more hyper. I need to just be kind of calm. And then that's what <laughs> I kind of, I try to go, I try to go. With. Um, pre-game meal, has it stayed the same since college? Or is it different? Game game. no it's pretty similar it's pretty similar i stick with the grilled chicken i stick with a little bit of pasta some fruit um i don't try to eat too much i think i used to eat a little too much before meal. i try to go into the game a little a tad hungry not you know yeah. craving but just a little light and then i have a little something before the game i usually have a little gummies before the game and then i, I roll out there and play you know yeah mark jackson used to say that he would eat like a Big Mac and fries. I can't imagine doing that game it's, after game, you know? Guys, you see when you're over there and in basketball, like, <laughs> I have players with 3% body fat, and they would eat every day. They would eat pizza, chicken wings, and french fries. If I ate that every day, you know, I'm, it's just I can't do it. Right, right. It just, it's just body types or genetics is a crazy thing. Um, something else that, uh, I should have asked Tyler, but I'll ask you since you've played overseas, what is the language barrier like? I mean, it, are, are they speaking in Spanish or, and you're going to have to pick some of that up or what? Yeah, well, for sure. My first year was a lot of Spanish and, um, I actually started taking classes twice a week with the teacher and, right. um, you know, I'm lucky. I'm proud to say right now my Spanish has gotten, it's very good. You know, it's, uh, 
over the years, I've living there. I'm going to go back there. And another thing as an American that people like is when you embrace the culture. So if I can do interviews in Spanish, I can talk to the people in Spanish. It looks at me as, oh, this kid is not just only want to speak English. And he's not only just like, screw everyone else, do what right. we, it's a, and it's a huge thing for clubs because teams like Spanish teams, for example, I'm speaking pretty good Spanish right now. Oh, he can do all the interviews in Spanish. He can talk to the fans in Spanish. Then the fans like the player more. Right. And there's less pressure on the player. Say he has a bad game. Oh, it's okay. You know, he's a good. So, uh -huh. you know, I, at first it was difficult, but I've, I've luckily I've been, I've been, I've been working hard and I've been picking it up, you know? Well, and I'll tell you, I, I don't know if you've seen the clips, but uh, one of the most impressive things I can recall about Kobe Bryant was when he would break out the Italian, <laughs> you yeah, know, and answer right. fully yeah. in that. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's the benefit of having a dad that played in overseas, you know? So exactly. Um, also, um, a lot of players deal with this once they're done with college. So uh, it's worth asking, what's the process of hiring an agent? It's probably just like recruitment starting all over again. Yeah. You know, it's, it's tricky. Obviously, luckily I was at Butler, a big time program, had a good year. So I had agents reach out to me, you know, and I was fielding them. Right. So you really try to find the guy who has your best interest and who's going to really work hard for you. My first agent was an American guy and my career has been in Europe, obviously. So what I found to be more beneficial to myself, and I think a lot of players, is having an agent actually in Europe. For example, I'm playing in Spain, right? right. I have a Spanish agent who speaks fluent Spanish, knows all the Spanish people. It makes more sense than having a guy from New Jersey who, <laughs> you know, right. who, who, who's good. So, you know, to the advice of the kids, if you want to play in a certain country, if you want to go to Greece, if you want to go to Turkey, Try to find someone in that region, and then that's maybe the best the best option. Um, you've lived uh, in a few different places. Do you have any ambitions of, of going a certain place or, or no? Uh, to visit? Or, yeah, I mean, if you get the opportunity to play, but certainly you would have enough money to yeah. travel to wherever you yeah. want to go. Yeah. I think for me, I definitely want to – well, I want to go to London. I never been able, I never got to London. Um, I want to go to Ibiza, and it's like an island of Spain. Okay, it's a crazy party island. I never got to. I want to go there, and then maybe Australia, but that's you know that's really out there. But one day Australia. Um, as far as future plans after playing, do you hope to coach at some point? Good question. I don't know. I'm not really sure. I'm just playing every day. Uh, day by day and I haven't put too much thought into that yet I, honestly I you know my parents asked me so my buddies asked me maybe I'll coach you know I don't target me to think of myself doing something outside basketball but you know I got to see where my life is I got to see where, where I'm at in that point and you know we'll see what happens maybe I'll go into politics like you said I don't, <laughs> I don't know. you know who knows man yeah uh Jorgensen 2024 man we'll, we'll uh <laughs> We'll have you come back uh, on the show another time. Can we do that at least? Yeah, that sounds great to me. So, you know, we'll see. We'll, uh, awesome. we'll see where life brings us. All right, folks, to hear this again, you can check out my website, jbkonair.com, or get the podcast anywhere that you get your podcast by searching JBK On Air. Until next time, have a great day and a better tomorrow.